If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. G-A-L-D-E-M G-A-L-D-E-M this song is good. Welcome to a brand new season of Growing Up With Galdem. Inspired by our book, I Will Not Be Erased, our stories about growing up as people of colour. My name is Niall Arboin and I'm the life editor at Galdem. And I'm Natty Kasimvala, former editor and longtime contributor at Galdem. Galdem is an award-winning media company committed to sharing the perspectives of people of colour from marginalised genders. Each week, we invite a guest to respond to old diary entries, letters or text messages from their younger selves. The point is to nurture important discussions about growing up. You can find Growing Up With Galdem on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Born and raised in Queens, New York, Daphne Pelasi Andriadis is an award-winning writer. She holds an MFA from Columbia University, where she was awarded a Henfield Prize and a Creative Writing Teaching Fellowship. She is the recipient of a Breadloaf Writers Conference Scholarship, among other honours. 
Her first novel, Brown Girls, was described by the New York Times as a daring debut that follows its characters through life and beyond. Brown Girls is out now. Welcome to Growing Up with Gaudem Daphne. Congratulations on the release of Brown Girls. How are you feeling post-release? I'm feeling really good, Natty. It's been out for three months here in the US and I think two-ish at this point in London and in the UK. But I'm really happy. It's like a dream come true. And now she's out there and I'm like, ah! Mm. <laughs> so exciting. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I'd love to know a bit more about, you know, how the tour's been going. What's people's reactions been to the book? Yeah, tour has been very good overall. It's been like hybrid. So majority like virtual events. And then I have a handful of in-person events, at least in the U.S., that are kind of opening up again. Like next week I have two, one solo one in like my hometown area, and then another kind of like group reading in Brooklyn, where I live now. And uh, so I'm looking forward to like meeting people in person and saying hi and saying thank you, but it's good. It's overwhelming. It's really overwhelming. <laughs> mm, I can imagine like even just probably, I guess like going into bookshops mm-hmm. is something that I really missed in the pandemic as well. So I imagine like even going and seeing it on the shelves yes. is like probably quite surreal. And I wanted to ask a bit more about the first thing I noticed when I read Brown Girls or started Brown Girls is your really like unique voice and structure and the way that you've described it in the past is that it has a kind of choral perspective and I wondered if you could unpack a bit more about that for the people who are listening and also kind of like why you chose this style of like these really rich kind of vignettes and moments that you catch glimpses of throughout the book. Yes so Brown Girls is narrated through like you said what I love to call a choral voice. I just like that image of like just a chorus of different characters, women's voices. And I think I was drawn to that specific kind of like unconventional point of view, just because I think at the time I was really interested in exploring like these shared experiences possibly that could exist across women of color from different diasporas or different communities whether those shared experiences might be coming from immigrant families or like people's families being impacted by colonialism or imperialism. And then like aside from the more like historical components, thinking of what does it mean to be a woman of color just like in contemporary times in the West, I guess. And so I was looking at those shared experiences, but also interested in looking at like, where might those experiences diverge? How might they be different across those communities? But I think more so I was really interested in unity between these different possible voices across the spectrum. I think I found that really beautiful and powerful and still do. So yeah, I I hope that answers the question. (laughs) And yeah, I think, as you were saying, the whole choral perspective that really lends itself to one of the main themes which is obviously friendship yes and that plays a big role in brown girls Mm -hmm. how has I guess your understanding of friendship shifted 
or evolved over the years? Oh man, that's such a that's such a great, beautiful question. I think I suppose for my own experiences, and I think it's mirrored in the book as well. For me, it feels true to have these friendships from childhood, or maybe we grew up together in the same neighborhood. We went to school together, and I think that sometimes there's a closeness of girlhood and like being in the same spaces. And then sometimes that shifts as like people kind of grow apart or move apart or live in other places. For me, I've always kind of viewed friendship sometimes as like an ebb and flow of closeness and then it contracts and people are a bit further apart. And then hopefully, I think, if the friendship is deep enough, there's, a, I think, a coming back together or getting to learn more about each other as you've grown up and as you've changed. And not all friendships or relationships withstand that, but I think it is really wonderful and beautiful if they do, if they're able to. And I guess hearing a bit more about or talking a bit more about your heritage specifically, weirdly, actually, I've spoken to two other American Filipinos and something that we've always talked about. Oh, wow. Yeah, Torre Emoa and, <laughs> and an article called Yeek. And every time we talk about the kind of like the rareness of that representation in like mainstream media, mm. and I guess in a literary space, even less so than in a music space. What was it like, mm. I guess, kind of grappling with uh, like coming from an American Filipino household and being like one of the first to kind of like explore that? Is that something that you were conscious of when you were writing? Ooh, that's so interesting, Natty, because I guess I didn't really see myself as one of the first. Like, even as you said, with these different musicians, there are a couple of, like, Filipino-American authors who I viewed as models of, like, oh, there's, like, a handful of them, but they exist, mm. and, yeah, like, yeah. I could do it, as too, I think, or as, like, a career path. And I'm thinking of, like, there's this author, Filipino-American author I really love, He's queer. His name is Leslie Tenorio. Who else? There's a short story writer, Mia Alvar. And it's so fascinating because I think even in those genres or representations of experience, they're all so different in the stories and in the telling. So I feel really happy and really grateful to just be another Filipino-American woman mm -hmm. writer out there as just like one uh, perspective, yeah, I guess, that's or just existing. Existing <laughs> is like, oh, great, I'm here. <laughs> it's so lovely that there can be such a range already. Yeah. I'd love to know a bit more about life growing up in Queens. Did you have any kind of, I guess the same for most people of colour, any kind of cultural shifts or cultural differences between maybe your home life and life outside of your home or at school? What was that kind of your relationship like with that? Yeah, absolutely. I think, well, Queens is this really, I think, yeah, unique and underrepresented place as opposed to, I mean, there's a lot of literature, I think, and art around New York City or based <laughs> yeah, yeah. in New York City. Are you two both based in London? I don't want to assume. I'm not sure. Yes. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. It's this big, like, international city, you know. And I think I had always seen a lot of books set in Manhattan or Brooklyn. And for me, I always perceive them as much more, like, glamorous. 
much more wealthy, predominantly white. And then Queens is really unique because it is one of the most like ethnically and linguistically diverse places in the entire U.S., if not the entire world. So just like all of these like this mix of people and immigrants and communities just like living side by side. And that was certainly like my experience growing up in Queens and like going to school or going to the supermarket or like when my family would go to church. There were just my classmates and my best friends growing up were like Haitian American or Dominican American or Mexican American, just like all of these different backgrounds and people. And so, yeah, it was a really, I think, unique kind of upbringing, but there were definitely messages of like, I would turn on the TV or we would be driving down the highway and like the people on TV, the people in billboards and stuff did not look like us, did not speak other languages or have darker complexions or have families like in shows who the parents were like immigrants or something like that. So I think that's where the sense of feeling like, oh, you know, all of my friends are immigrant kids and people of color. And then I leave this, this little bubble and it felt very different. Yeah, that's so interesting. I've never really thought about it that way in terms of like, I guess because I didn't grow up in an actually diverse area. So I was kind of like, are there black people out there? Are there people, immigrants mm. out there? Or is it literally just me and my family? But it's so interesting to imagine, oh you know, like living this multicultural, like vivid, vibrant experience. And then like looking at the TV and being like, huh? <laughs> Excuse me? Like something doesn't correlate, you know? Something doesn't add um, up. <laughs> oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. And there's a quote from you that yeah. we really loved, which is, our identities are myriad. It's a myth that we have to choose. And I thought that was really interesting and really powerful. And I wanted to hear a little bit more about, I guess, the moment that you personally clocked onto that myth and how that kind of came to impact you and how you navigate through the world. I think that it was not just seeing media, you know, on TV or billboards, but yeah, even in literature, like I would open up some of my favorite books at the time or things we were studying. And I felt like, why do I assume that the narrator is white? And then in other books, it's like the author would specifically like state that someone was non-white or like another race or ethnicity. And like, that was just like an identifier of that person. Mm. And so I guess that ties into the idea of feeling like, oh, I guess I am other. Maybe my experience is is not the norm at all. And I went to high school and university and grad school outside of Queens. And so I think these spaces just felt very, I was just like, oh my gosh, where am I? <laughs> where am I? So I think my experience maybe ended up like aligning a little bit more with yours, Natty, of just like very predominantly white spaces. Yeah. And so I can't think of the exact moment where I was like, okay, to be a person of color is, that's not the norm. That's kind of on the periphery. But I don't know. I think it was at a young age. It had to have been like at least middle school or elementary school or something. And for me, I think it was really writing this book that helped me 
I guess, in a way, both resist some of those, like the white supremacist kind of world that we live under and make a voice for myself. Like if my experience and my voice didn't really exist before, I can make that. I can make that for myself through my art. And at the same time, recognize all of these different parts of myself of growing up here in the U.S., having immigrant parents, all of these things that feel like contradictions kind of cohere them in my writing, I think, and through these characters. (laughs) I also hate when you have to check yourself and you think all the characters are white. And you're like, why have I done that myself? Am I a product of my own environment? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, it's the worst feeling. No, there's so many experiences. (laughs) Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at Burrow.com Acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Right, so it's time to move on to your extract that you've provided for us. For this one, it's pretty special, but you're going to have to probably describe it for those listening. Sure. So I have this 
extract that I picked in thinking about this podcast, and the extract is called Daydream. And I would say that the concept of the book, I made it with a friend when we were like 11 years old for a bookmaking competition in elementary school. So the concept of the book involves a narrator who is looking at the world around them and I would say at first glance sees the world in a way that is like kind of realist or mundane or normal, but then the narrator starts daydreaming and strange things happen and the world is kind of transformed through daydreaming. And in the book... that I made when I was 11. It has a visual arts component and uses all of these different materials of like yarn or felt um, or newspaper or cardboard or like various illustrations to to tie in with with the text. Sorry, Um, can I just stop you there for a second? You say visual component. I feel like you're underplaying. This is an immersive experience (laughs) of a book. (laughs) (laughs) Like, because I used to have these books where you could like open something and like pull out a little message. I found some the other day and I was like, this is literally the best thing ever. And I'm looking at, it's like 3D, like 4D even immersive experience. And it's so vibrant and amazing. Honestly, massively. Wow. Massively. (laughs) It's like GCSE art coursework. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's the concept of the book. It is a little bit interactive, like you can open little flaps and it has a very tactile nature. I think you can touch it and yeah. So I think that for so many of us, we were making visual art and like drawing and things even before like language in an interesting way. So yeah. And would you be able to, I guess, give us a little read through of not necessarily signs and things that I can see here, but just the kind of the main flow? Yes, sure. Okay, daydream. I look at the blue clouds and what do I see? And the clouds are just clouds. They're very normal. I see an ice cream cone with ice cream and a fluffy flower. Next page. Spelling test, start at 8.20 a.m., end at 3.30 p.m. No bathroom, no (laughs) lunch, no talking, no smiling. And that's all on the blackboard. Staring at my teacher's purse, I look and see. And there's a purse and you can open the purse. And there's a note in the purse that says spelling test canceled due to snow day. The next page. But I also see... In that note, a field of singing, dancing, playing, prancing, lullaby letters. Look beyond the clouds and you will see Mr. Sun. But I see streaks and flames of yellow dancing balls and don't forget the smile. Shush, it is now nighttime. What do you see? I see Miss Moon glowing down on us with happy eyes and a big smile. Last page, look all around you through your eyes and heart, and you will see a world of wonder. It's and that's, so that's cute. the book, that's Daydream. <laughs> oh my God. Also, not Miss Moon, Miss Moon. <laughs> so cute. 
self-serving face. My heart. They're genders. They're genders. I feel like I'm connecting to Why? my inner child. It's all too much. <laughs> oh my gosh. Definitely not. I've been daydreaming Myth. since then. Myth. Yes. And maybe one the, the two are one and the same, I like to think. <laughs> Sorry, I just got carried away. I was just looking back at it. Yeah, I mean, so many questions. Would you say you're still a daydreamer? Is it still a part of your kind of creative process when you start writing? I think yes and no, in that for me, I think so much of writing and making art is looking at the world around you and drawing from the world around you and seeing that, taking all of that in a way that you bring it back to your art and it gets transformed through imagination or kind of like a spirit of playfulness. Yeah. So I guess for me in a more abstract way that it does feel like dreaming, like making art does feel like dreaming. And I still do that now. And I still actively daydream about food. Definitely. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say this actually weirdly triggered a memory of my own of also having to make (gasps) a book at school with another friend but obviously only one of you can take the book home and it was Rebecca Carmichael that got to take our book home and I didn't get it so clearly you got this book I'd love to know a bit more about Olivia yes is she okay yes (laughs) oh my gosh you know what we were like really good friends when we were 11 years old and then she ended up moving away or I don't know if she moved away but like maybe transferred schools and like unearthing this book in just in my boxes of random mementos and journals and things. I was like, oh, what do I pick? I don't know what to pick for this podcast. It's such a great concept. I mean, as a podcast, and I don't know what to pick. And I found this book and I saw the name Olivia, Olivia Joza. And I was like, I wonder what she's up to. And I feel like if I ever reconnect with her, I definitely want to send her this podcast and just like photos of this book. I was about to something. say, maybe we could pull like a little Seriously. Ellen. And Olivia's joining us on the podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> and we've <laughs> just just for Olivia. That she would be amazing. amazing. I, I would love that. Get you, get you on it next time. I have a question for Nayela about the book that you made. What was it about? It was about sheep. Oh my like, god! I was much younger, so I was about six. Okay. But I just remember being like, this is the best sheep I've ever drawn in my entire five-year-old existence. <laughs> yes. And I was just like, I think we must have had to flip a coin. Something happened. Shame. I didn't get the book. And clearly it's stuck Shame. somewhere far back in my brain. Oh my I never gosh. Got to keep the book. Yeah. It was beautiful. It was very cute. Yeah. <laughs> I just just don't know if I ever made a book. I don't don't think anything I did was ever as like impressive as some of the things that we've seen on on this podcast. Like I look at my old stuff, I'm like, you weren't really giving, girl. (laughs) You were like writing, but it was never like vivid imagination stuff. So it's always so fun to to see what kids were dreaming of, you know? I I think there's something so like carefree and also like really optimistic in daydream and just how it's kind of like it's literally about just like finding the beauty and like the wonder in every day which I think is just so beautiful and I want to hear a bit more about baby Daphne and whether what she was like what you remember kind of do you remember much of your perspective on the world and like how you were as a kid 
Yeah. Trying to conjure her. <laughs> I think that I was a very like obedient daughter. I'm the eldest child of three. So I was always, okay. I think, very, yeah, responsible okay. for my younger siblings. I think in a way that like eldest daughters sometimes are. So I was easy for my parents, I think. I was easy for my parents. But I love to draw and go to the library and just be in like a fantasy world. And I suspect that baby Daphne found a lot of freedom and like being outside of those rules, you know, and expectations to be good and obedient. So that's what art has meant for me. <laughs> mm, I totally yeah. hear that. I feel like there's nothing like the kind of escapism you get as a child reading when you first get engrossed. Yeah. It's like no other. Yes. Do you still draw, by the way? Is that something you incorporate? Do you still enjoy art? I don't draw, unfortunately. I always tell myself, oh, it would be so fun to go back to it, to get a sketchbook or, or buy paints. I love to make visual art, even as a teen. But yeah, I studied it during my teens. It, in New York City, you can elect to attend any kind of high school you want. You have to apply. And I applied for this visual arts high school. And so I was very immersed in it at the time. But I think at a certain point, applying to university and stuff. So toward the end of high school, I thought, I think I had a lot of fears of like, well, you know, can I really paint? Can I really pursue the visual art stuff? And I didn't think that I could make a living, I guess, to be more specific. You know, no one in my family had really done any kind of art, but I think I ended up coming back to it, of course, with the writing. But it would be nice to incorporate more of the visual art these days. Yeah. Because even the cover for Brown Girls really struck me as like, a strong statement of kind of like the culture and I keep saying vibrant but like <laughs> sound like one of those like white people was like oh yeah really vibey everyone's really vibey but the kind of vibrancy of the culture that's within the book I think the visually it's so striking and it just like draws you in as well so I can almost see the artistic lens there I guess to move into our final section I wanted to ask I really related when you said you, you know you were kind of like the easy child but you kind of used your art as this way of escaping and breaking those rules. And I think that often happens with children who are quite dutiful and like, you know, feel like they have these responsibilities. They kind of seek the rebellion in other mediums. So I wanted to ask what advice you would give to your younger self, if you could, who had this like super vivid imagination and was just like expressing herself creatively. I would tell my younger self to, as this funky little extract was was talking about to keep daydreaming, truly, because that's where all of those, the imaginings, the playfulness, the inquisitiveness, I think that is a really, really important space. And I think as one gets older, sometimes it's where we are discouraged sometimes from dreaming, or that's not a good use of time, or you can't make money doing that. That's not valuable. That's not helpful. Don't take those dreams and make art. And I think that, honestly, that was some of the messaging that I received growing up. But it is such a, a sacred space and so important to protect and hold on to, even if that means 
okay, I'm going to kind of like abscond to the library or my side of the room and like sketch or journal. And that goes for being a kid and like it applies to being a kid and it also applies to like being an adult. I think it's so, so important to hold on to that. So that's what I would tell my baby self. (laughs) Amazing. And what would your younger daydreamer self think about where you are now? You know, you got a debut book out. Yeah. I think my younger baby self would be extremely happy and also say like, what is this? This is like beyond my wildest dreams, beyond my wildest daydreams. I think she would be very surprised and happy to be like, oh, you kept dreaming and you kept at it. And you kept at it, not necessarily for money or to have the physical book or anything, but like out of love for creating. And I think that would mean a lot to my younger self. Amazing. Thank you so much, Stephanie. It's been a joy. Thank you so much for having me. There's nothing like seeing the world through a child's eyes every once in a while. It's just so refreshing. Makes you realise that you're just like a bit of a miserable cow. (laughs) Honestly. It kind of, yeah. I just kind of, I was just Mm. grinning looking at the little book and just thinking, we really need to carve out space to just like daydream. Capitalism doesn't (laughs) want that from me, but we need to find a way. (laughs) It's so true. And daydreaming as well, like daydreaming and also like creating space to like create just for creation's sake like I was thinking about I think someone said it the other day but you know as you get older you get less and less used to doing things like firstly without a purpose and without a monetary purpose or whatever and secondly things that you might not be the best at and I just think like things like drawing and like writing and telling stories you feel like unless I'm gonna be the best person at this like it's so embarrassing do something with it but this has inspired me to like yeah. just pick up some pens and draw something nice and yeah. spark joy for myself. Definitely. Mm. Yeah, you don't have to be good at a hobby for it to be a hobby. Exactly. Yeah, it's made me realise that. I, just, know. I hope I hope she starts yeah, drawing. She was great again. to talk to. I know. Imagine like an illustrated Ooh. novel for the next Ooh. one. A couple of pictures in there. <laughs> Maybe I'll pitch it to her. This has been an II Studios production. Thank you so much for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. You can sign up to become a member at gal-dem.com for access to exclusive discounts with our favourite brands and partners, early access to tickets for Gaudem events, an advanced copy of our annual print issue, and so much more. Make sure you're following us on all major social media at galdemzine for the latest independent news and culture. Or visit our online website, which is gal-dem.com. Don't forget, if you love this episode of Growing Up with Galdem, be sure to subscribe, rate and leave a review. We'll catch you on the next episode. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.